0: Hello,
1: son. Another year, another Japanese Grand Prix. Still no Rodan flyover. I am bitter about this. Are you ready to go? I am ready to go. Hello, welcome to Hard Compound, American take on Formula One. We just finished watching a rain-soaked, somewhat inexplicable, but championship-defining Japanese Grand Prix. We have a content-rich episode for you. Son, can I get your take? What did you think of this morning's early Japanese Grand Prix? Yeah, so it was last night, technically,
0: for me. (laughs) But yeah, a lot of takeaways. Lots of things to talk about. I think the big one, well, there's a couple. But for me, this is the day of the double world champion, Max Verstappen, ends up taking his second crown in a row. And I think it's pretty much a done deal for Red Bull this year to get that Constructors as well. So they'll be taking home two trophies this season in my opinion. Yeah,
1: it certainly looks like, well, we know Max is this year's world champion. That's two in a row. He's really been, I think, peerless this year. Not Hamilton, not Charles. No one has been able to hang with Max this year. A true testament to his skill, somewhat to his car. It does look like Red Bull will finally, after many years of Mercedes dominance, win the constructors. I think the two big stories for me are one, Max repeats as world champion. Number two, I remember as a young man seeing those great Japanese prints, the ink, the brush strokes, the beautiful cranes on the water. I never want to see a crane in an F1 race, and I'm sure neither does Pierre Gasly or many others. We've talked before. About the tragic death of Jules Bianchi spun out in the rain. There was a crane on track. It never should have happened. We don't ever need to see that again. And so I hope we don't again after this race. You know, sometimes we get sort of upset with FIA. Maybe they should have started the race earlier. Maybe they should have ended the race earlier. There's just countless decisions. There's a global audience for this, but each race is a logistical gauntlet and you can't just simply say well we'll start the race earlier or we'll we'll go later there is just so much to consider when putting on a race however safety for the drivers and then for the fans always has to be paramount i didn't want to start an episode where Max Verstappen wins his second world championship by complaining about some poor decisions. I'm not ready to blame anyone for poor decisions, but we certainly don't want to see a crane on track. Yeah, I agree.
0: You know, Max Verstappen has been so dominant this year. I think the only other driver that has been able to match his pace really at any point in the season is Charles Leclerc. And, you know, that hasn't been consistent, whether it's reliability from Ferrari, poor strategy decisions, or in the case of this race, just one small error by the driver has really taken points away from him and put him down now into third position in the overall standings. Yeah, he had that
1: great start, but, you know, I'm glad you brought up Leclerc because... You know, we talked about him last week where, you know, when the pressure is off is when he seems to do his best. And that's not necessarily a great quality in an F1 driver, but, you know, Charles has pushed his way through all year long. He's been great, but he's failed at always at the right time. It's just, you know, when you consider that Max had what, two DNFs in the first three races, that Red Bull had several DNFs to start the season. Ferrari had a car that could match them. This has been a team-wide failure, a pretty shocking failure. Again, I I don't mean to go negative. I mean, you know, this was another fun, interesting race. Max is world champion, his second. But wow, I don't want to say Charles was a failure because he's doing well. But by Ferrari, especially when you look over the course of a full season, over what they had, such a great pairing of drivers, such a fast car. This has been almost a collapse.
0: Yeah, I would have to agree with you on that point. I mean, Ferrari put together they engineered a, a really good car. It's a very good car. I think in terms of sheer pace, it actually outpaces every other car on the grid. However, the Red Bull sort of setup is better for racing for full races it, it seems. That said, both teams have a couple of great drivers. I mean, Leclerc and Sainz are both extremely talented young drivers. They've kind of proven their capability and, and their speed, but I think both of them make critical errors and sort of like you were saying, the exact right or wrong time, however you want to look at it. And I think that's sort of Been the entire Ferrari team this season, though. They've made critical errors in the worst possible moments. And it's really cost them. I think that Red Bull would have won the Constructors. I believe that Max would have won the Drivers' Championship had everything gone well for Ferrari. But, you know, they would have put the pressure on. It probably would have gone down to the last couple of races for that championship to be decided. Instead, We're here, half points at Suzuka in early October, and the Drivers' Championship is already
1: done. Yeah, that's such a good point. I mean, last year went down to the final lap of the final race, a testament to Max's ability, Lewis's determination, Mercedes' relentless drive, Christian Horner's just mad genius plotting. This year... Max seemed genuinely surprised. I know there was a lot of sort of concerns. How many laps have we done? Is there going to be full points, half points? It seemed genuinely surprised that he won it at Suzuka, but not genuinely surprised that he won it. He knew if it wasn't this race, it would be at the next race in Austin, Texas. And that's not just vanity or belief in his ability. That's also his recognition of Ferrari's really failure, I think. I mean, like you were saying, you know, Ferrari has a car that should match Red Bull. They have a stable of drivers, Signs and Leclerc, both great young drivers. There are still four races left and Max has won his world championship and Ferrari essentially has almost zero hope of winning the constructors. And this is with four races left. This to me is, is, you know, I don't want to go down on Ferrari, but this is not something that, you know, can be sort of just sort of forgotten.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I hope that the rest of the season is just as fun as, you know, all the races that have come before it. And I hope that, you know, we get some awesome battles next season as well. I hope that McLaren and Alpine can kind of make that jump into the top three or to battle with the top three consistently. You know, I hope that Mercedes, Ferrari, and Red Bull kind of get even closer together. And, you know, we'll really see some great racing. And, you know, I think we can see the drivers for who they are. We had for so long Mercedes domination that it got a little bit stale when Lewis was winning everything and and Botas was coming in second. And I think, you know, Nobody necessarily wants the same thing for Red Bull. You know, I'm, I'm not saying I, I don't want Max Verstappen to win or anything like that. I just think it gets a little bit old when the same team and same driver win year after year after year. And I want a little bit more competition, and that's what the rules and regulations changes are supposed to do. And I think they've worked mostly successfully so far so I'm hoping that that kind of continues down that path.
1: I would agree with you this is the first year of the new rules, only the second year of a spending cap. Ferrari's somewhat inexplicable failures aside there's sort of Max's peerlessness at the moment i, I I've said before I think he's the the Michael Jordan of F1 it's just everyone else is going to be battling over second but you know, Ferrari and Mercedes still battling out for second and third. We don't know yet who's going to be second, third, fourth, or fifth in the driver's standings. I think we've had better races and better competition this year than last. It's just last year we had such a great almost maybe once in a lifetime battle for the first place for the winner. I do think overall the new regs have helped and will continue to help. We won't see, you know, one team dominating, I think, forever. I, I certainly don't expect that. You mentioned Alpine. This was their best ever race, I believe, for the year. Ocon in fourth, Alonso sixth. They've now, I think, pushed ahead of McLaren, which is very surprising. Next, I like to do our top five for the race, who we think was best and go over that list, but this was such an odd race. It's just hard to sort of assess what's going on in the rain. I thought instead of a top five for Suzuka, we do a two through six for the world championship. We know Max is one. Who do we think will come in second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth for the year? Do you want to go first, Patrick? I can go first. That's a (laughs) <laughs> very interesting. Thought. I caught you off guard, <laughs> no,
0: because we saw in this race due to that penalty that Leclerc got at the end of the race, Perez actually jumped up again into second in the world championship by a point. And, you know, Russell isn't so far behind, but with only 4 races left is is a little bit tough. For me, 2 through 6, I'll say Leclerc 2, Perez 3, and then I'll say signs four, Hamilton, five, Russell, six.
1: Wow, you've got Hamilton. Quite a few changes. Usurping there. George. Excellent.
0: I, I think he's actually done a much better job than George in the last probably four four races or so.
1: You know, the first half of the season, George, this was his first year with Mercedes, and he came in and he outraced Lewis Hamilton in qualifying, in races, and points, no matter you can make excuses for Lewis or not, but George outraced him. But one of the things we see in Lewis is not just his amazing talent, it's just the relentless ability of over an entire season. And you're right. After the last several races, he's clearly usurped George Russell, not taking anything away from George again. Young driver, first year with Mercedes, and he's hanging with Lewis Hamilton. That's amazing. So Max has already won the world championship. So for the rest of 2022, you think it will play out with Charles coming in second, Sergio Perez of Red Bull third, Carlos Sainz of Ferrari fourth, then Lewis Hamilton, then George Russell of Mercedes. Interesting. I like it. I still have George beating out Lewis. My number two is Charles, then Sergio Perez, then Carlos Sainz. I still think George will win it. He's too far ahead of Lewis, I think. And then Lewis Hamilton, which Is pretty shocking. You have to start to wonder how Mercedes got it so wrong. Lewis Hamilton will come in fifth or sixth this year. Mercedes probably will be third in the championship. It's sort of just shocking when you think of how utterly dominant they were during the turbo hybrid era. Seeing them fall to third is pretty surprising. And Lewis Hamilton, again, I mean, legitimately no better than fifth or sixth.
0: Yeah, it is shocking. If you said to somebody, Prior to the season starting, or at the very least prior to winter testing in Barcelona, that Mercedes would be third in the Constructors Championship and then Hamilton fifth or sixth in the Drivers Championship, you know, they would have laughed at you. There's no possible way that that happens. And yet, after a full season of racing or close to it, that's kind of where things stand, which is Pretty shocking. But, you know, I think good on F1 for sort of injecting a little extra competition. It's a lot more fun to watch, I think.
1: It certainly is. You know, we don't, as we said earlier, we certainly don't want the same team winning over and over again. We want this as competitive, for example, as the NFL. You know, in the early years of the NFL salary cap, somewhat different than a spending cap, but. the salary cap you know there was a lot of issues it was what do we count or not count is every team being fully transparent how do we punish someone for not tracking spending correctly or overspending but within a few years it worked itself out and it became the most competitive major sports league i think in the world it's certainly the most valued financially valued sports league in the world and so i have high hopes for F1 as a sport with its new spending cap, but also in creating competition. Again, we see an NFL Los Angeles teams have really no better chance of winning a Super Bowl than teams from little cities like Buffalo or Green Bay or Jacksonville, Florida. So that that's great to see. Now, let's get to some of the other issues of today's race. I think one of the key stories, two points for Latifi. He has now tied. With Nicholas DeVry, Nick DeVry, I should say. Yeah, I mean, what a
0: weird turn of events (laughs) that is. (laughs) You know, I kind of don't know how to feel about it, but no, good for him. I think the team made an excellent decision to pit him right away. He was at the back of the pack, pit him right away after that safety car restart, get onto the faster tires before anybody else could. And, you know, it paid off for him. He didn't end up really passing anybody but he also didn't really get overtaken himself so he kind of held his own in there and ended up in ninth position which still you know got him a couple of points so good for him i
1: think he's now moved up to 20th (laughs) in the standings this year (laughs) though you know when you start to think about underperforming not doing well failure You know, we can mock Latifi, but, you know, I'm starting to wonder who had the biggest failure this year. The season's not over, but it looks like with four races left, we know who the driver champion is and we're almost certain who the constructors champion will be. I mean, we can mock Latifi, but Ferrari with that car and those drivers, as we've said, what a failure. Mercedes, the dominant team for so many years, they've been Almost a non-factor in both the Drivers' Championships and the Constructors' Championships. Nobody saw that one coming. And then the Red Bull sister team, Alpha Tori, they could finish the year in ninth. Again, you know, it's hard to, to sort of explain some of these failures, but they, they are certainly, I think, the most notable ones. Yeah, absolutely. I think
0: Ferrari, it's disappointing because we got to see the potential at the start of the season. And it all just started to sort of crumble apart pretty early on. You know, they didn't really hold it together for very long, which is disappointing. I mean, they've still got two drivers, you know, possibility of finishing second in the Drivers' Championship and and maybe even fourth as well. So, you know, that's pretty good. And then they really ought to hold off Mercedes and claim that second position in the Constructors' Championship, which is a really tremendous feat for them considering how poor they were last year and a couple of years ago. They were quite bad. And so to, you know, come back and, and be as good as they are, I think it's really fun to see. We always kind of want to see Ferrari up there competing. And so I'm I'm happy about that, but I I agree with you. I think they really could
1: have done a lot better with what they had. Speaking of doing better with what they had, this was okay for Ricardo this weekend, I thought. Just given how, I don't know, below his normal standards he's been all year, I thought this was a fine week. But we know he's out of McLaren at the end of the season. It appears he will be out of F1 at the end of the season. I said, I think it was back in May or June that he would be out of F1. It, it was clear over the last couple of years that he's he's certainly lost. He's lost a step. But what about Mick Schumacher? This was, you know, a fairly typical weekend, I think, for Mick Schumacher. The highs and lows. Do we expect him back next year? That's a good question.
0: For me, I, I think I would keep him around. I think he's a good driver. You know, he's still young. And... He's got a name that is synonymous with Formula One, I guess. And, uh, you know, a middling team like Haas, you know, what, you're going to get Hulkenberg to come in and and turn things around and all of a sudden you're going to start battling more? I don't see that happening. So, you know, I mean, they kept Magnussen and Grosjean around for years and years and years and then finally decided, oh, we actually need money. So we're going to go get Mazepin and Schumacher, right? I think they'd be fine keeping him around for another year, letting him develop, seeing what comes of it. I think this weekend, he was driving pretty well. He started out well in the wet, and then his team screwed him. They left him out there for probably five laps too long, and then he ended up in the back of the pack. Very few guys were passing. Only really if you had a significant tire advantage or just car advantage was anybody really passing. In those conditions. And so he ended up pretty far down the, the pack, which was disappointing. I think he overall in Japan, I think, did a good job. And, and I don't see this weekend as any reason to, you know, put the
1: stake in the ground and, and say you're out for next season. Yeah, you know, Mick Schumacher is a fine driver and he has the Schumacher name. To me, it's like if Tom Brady's son was a fine NFL player, you would keep him on the team. You know, there's sort of that continuity, that legacy seems to sort of earned a right to sort of have a position. But it's Haas. As you were saying, let's say they bring back or they bring in Nico Hulkenberg. What's he going to do? Get four points for Haas? Who cares? You know, it's my biggest fear with Haas is they'll do something foolish in that they'll dump Mick Schumacher because it's like, well, he crashes and he costs us too much money, you know, which I suppose is a legitimate concern in an era of a, a hard spending cap. But really I'd rather see a young Mick Schumacher in there with zero points than Nico, whom I really like, in there with say four points, for example. You're not really going to move the dial. I think you move the dial more with the notoriety and legacy of Mick Schumacher than than getting a couple extra points.
0: Yeah. I, I mean I'll just say this Schumacher has 10 fewer points than his teammate, Kevin Magnussen, this year, which, frankly, I guess in percentage terms of total team points, it's a fair amount, but it's really not that many points overall. If he had the same amount of points as his teammate, Kevin Magnussen, they would still be eighth in the Constructors' Championship, which they are currently. So I don't know what more you're getting if you bring in a mid-tier veteran
1: driver, you know, I don't see anything extra happening. You, You know, another young driver, Oscar Piastri, he starts with McLaren next year. I keep hearing, you know, everyone saying, all the pundits saying, oh, you know, the pressure is on him because of his sort of notorious exit from Alpine. And, you know, I don't think of it that way. I think Oscar is a great young talent. Next year will be his first year as an F one driver. To me, of all the young drivers, next year the most pressure will be on Yuki. This has been, I think, a mostly down year for Yuki. It's his second year in F one. He's slated to be brought back next year. That will be his third year in F one. He'll be going up against his teammate Nick De who I think is a better talent and I predict will do better next year than Yuki. So I think the pressure's on Yuki more than any other young driver. Yeah, I think that
0: is a fair point. You know, I think there's like three drivers that I think are are really gonna have the pressure on them to to perform. One of them, of course, being Yuki. I think another currently the only rookie on the grid show. He's like, 40 points behind Botas this season he's really aside from his first race hasn't done a whole lot hasn't been all that impressive spun out again this week so you know I think he'll definitely have the pressure on him next season his second full season in F1 to kind of get things straightened out and and score more points for that team and then lastly I think Pierre Gasly going to Alpine He's really going to have a lot to prove, I think. And he's been with Alpha Tori for for quite a few seasons, only spent half a season at Red Bull and got demoted. You know, I think that really fired him up. He, he started driving really well. And this season, unfortunately, the wheels have kind of fallen off of that team. And he hasn't really been in the points all that frequently. But I think going to Alpine, a team that is fighting with the likes of McLaren and hopefully you know he keeps saying hopefully that they'll be up there with the big boys the big 3 but you know I think he's Ocon has done really well fighting with his teammate Alonso and then the McLarens and I think Gasly's really going to have the pressure on him to perform just as well as as his teammate yeah I agree
1: with that you know Ocon is hung with Alonso the Alpine has been unreliable And he's just been a steady presence all year. And I think in a mid-pack team, that is an underappreciated value. So we'll see what Pierre can do. It's not been his finest year this year. So that will be another interesting story. Okay, virtual podium. So we know who finished the podium. It was a weird one, but it was, as we ultimately found out, Max, Sergio, and Charles. Who do you think belongs on the virtual podium this week? Well. I think that overall, the
0: Japanese fans need to be appreciated. So many of them stayed there in in the pouring rain really throughout the weekend and were able to get some racing in. So I'm happy that they were able to see that after a three year hiatus. You know, they showed out in full force and, and were able to see some racing. I especially liked one fan who had a sign. That said, hire me as a Ferrari strategist, (laughs) which made me laugh. (laughs) So, yes, I think the Japanese fans definitely need
1: to be on the podium. Then you and I both have the same virtual podium, at least to start. I believe the fans also. They've not run at Suzuka, and I think since 2019, it was rainy and miserable, most of the weekend and they showed up in full force. So I put the Japanese fans on the virtual podium and they're the only ones for me. Do you have another one? I just have one that we kind of briefly
0: covered at the top of the podcast, you know, driver safety. I think, you know, every time a scary incident happens, we have to kind of go back to the drawing board and reevaluate and sort of review that incident and figure out, is there anything else that drivers can do that the FIA can do, anybody to make the sport safer for the drivers, all participants, really. And, you know, we saw this weekend that very similar to eight years ago, there was a crane on track as cars were going past in really dangerous, wet, low visibility conditions. And that's really scary. And I think after the Jules Bianchi incident in 2014, there were new regulations developed in order to sort of limit or mitigate those kinds of incidents. And I think that following what happened in this race, there will be more regulations imposed so that something like this does not happen again. You know, Kesley got a 20-second penalty for speeding, but it really didn't matter whether he was going too fast or not. There's a giant crane on the track when drivers are on there. You can barely see it if you aquaplane and go straight into it. It doesn't matter how fast you were going. You're going to slam into it and bad things will happen. So I think, you know, driver safety needs to be appreciated maybe a little bit more than it was this weekend.
1: OK, switching to the soft compound, we heard the news Pierre Gasly going to Alpine next year It will be an all French team. It's been a lot of fun actually watching Pierre and Yuki as the sort of odd couple, just sort of being silly together. We also know that Daniel Ricardo is out at the end of this year, and I think another fun team has been Lando and Daniel. They've also, they're both silly and, and fun. Who do you think will be next year's fun team, Patrick? I think Alonso Stroll at Aston will be a really fun team. <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> that's a good question. I think an all-French team, Alpine, Gasly, and Ocon might actually be kind of fun. Man, that's a that's interesting. Cause I think, yeah, Alpine and, and McLaren will probably be two of the more entertaining teams. You know, maybe Williams, depending on who fills that second seat, might be kind of fun with Albon, and if it's another young, fun driver to watch, I think they might have a good time there at Williams, but we'll see. It's kind of interesting breaking up those sillier teams, so we'll see what we get next season.
1: Yep. I don't really have an answer. Max, I think, is pretty loose, but, but when it comes to racing, he's serious. Charles and Carlos can be fun. But, you know, they're very image conscious, similar with Lewis and George. So it'll be fun. I think maybe Oscar and Lando, that could be fun. Like you said, Williams, I'm not so sure Pierre and Esteban Ocon will be fun if they'll get along, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. Next, I keep harping on this. I said I would love an F1 seniors tour, or as they say in golf, a champions tour where we could see, you know, Lewis Hamilton, Felipe Massa, Alonso. Drivers from other leagues, like Indy drivers, I'd love the idea, even if it's not feasible, of an F1 Champions Tour or Seniors Tour, however you want to call it. However, I wondered if that already exists. When Ricardo announced that he was effectively out of F1 at the end of this year, Roman Grosjean, who used to drive for Haas and now drives an Indy car, said, Hey, Daniel, drive for Indy. It's fun. It's great. Great racing, great cars—you'll love it. And my question, Patrick, is—is Indy Car already the F1 Champions Tour?
0: <laughs> That's a good question. You know, we used to see Juan Pablo in there, and all kinds of guys. Magnuson's there. He wasn't a champion, obviously, but yeah, Erikson. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's lots of guys. I, I, I think Takuma Sato was there at some point. So oh, right. plenty of drivers that join Indy from F1, but Indy has a pretty large grid. So, you know, you see a lot of former F1 drivers, but you also see plenty of younger drivers and sort of up and coming drivers or or just guys who have raced in Indy for a decade. You know, never got the chance in F1 and were able to drive in an Indy and spent all that time just driving it in that series. So it kind of is, I guess, to an extent, but you know, peppered in with plenty of other accomplished drivers or up and coming drivers. I think Indy is a lot of fun. And I do think it would be a lot of fun if Ricardo joined Indy, but I think a dedicated seniors tour would be all the more exciting.
1: Okay, time to ask the stewards. It sounds as if Sebastian Vettel is having some regrets about retiring from F1 at the end of the season. Certainly, we know Ricardo does not want to leave. He's being forced out. But do you expect between now and the start of next season, any surprise departures? So for example, Valtteri Bottas, he has just had, I think, a subpar year. Might he leave? Might he surprise us and say he's leaving? What about Lewis Hamilton? If Bahrain testing next year, Mercedes looks like they have not fixed any of their issues. Might he say, you know what, I'm done? What do you think? Expecting any surprises between now and the start of next season? Hmm. I think if that happened, it would be very surprising.
0: I am going to say. I do not expect anything like that to happen. So I would be very surprised if it did. And that would be a very interesting seat to fill if it did happen. It,
1: it would. I only thought of it because there were some brief rumors that Ricardo might be a Mercedes reserve driver and everyone suggesting, oh, he thinks maybe Lewis is ready to leave and he'll hop in that seat. I don't think either of those things will happen It was a fun rumor. Also, because Seb seems to have some regret about leaving, I think he's going to make himself available to any team that wants to use him as an emergency fill-in. So I just thought it was a fun idea. Across the line, that's our segment where we predict the outcome of the next race. The next race in a fortnight in Austin, Texas, the first race back in North America in some time. And across the line. We choose who we think will finish in the top five. If we get a driver correct, that's one point. If we get them in the exact right spot, that's three points. Patrick, do you have the standings to date for Across the Line? I do. After
0: Japan, with just four races to go, you are sitting on 70 points to my 68 points. Wow.
1: Wow. So unlike this year's F1 Drivers' Championship... This is going to go to the final race, I suspect. Excellent. Excellent. So we know Max is world champion. So no pressure on him. Who goes first? You or me? You have first pick. Excellent. Excellent. Well, the battle this year now for the rest of the season is on for second place. So I get to choose first. I'm going to go with Charles Leclerc at Ferrari. Ah, very interesting. My one-two.
0: You know, we only had one one-two finish all of last season. We've already had five Red Bull one-two finishes this year. Let's make it six
1: in Austin. I'll take Max Sergio. Oh, wow. That would be Red Bull dominance in the new regulations era, first year. That would be interesting to see. Well, if you take Max and Sergio one and two for my number two, I will take a surprise number two, Esteban Ocon. I think now with the season winding down, Alpine have found their reliability and Ocon wants to prove himself. So I'm going to go with Ocon and then Carlos signs of Ferrari.
0: Mm -hmm. Very interesting. All right. I think I'll take Lewis to round out my podium. And I agree with you. I think Alpine is going to do very well. They seem to hit their stride at the right time. 13 points ahead of McLaren now. So I'll take the other Alpine driver, Fernando Alonso.
1: Nice, nice. Then I will take Mercedes George Russell for my fifth pick, McLaren's Lando Norris. Nice. Okay. Ooh, this is an interesting pick
0: then. Uh, let's see. I think. For my fifth pick, I will take another old man, said Vettel.
1: <laughs> okay, so for Austin Grand Prix, you have Max, Sergio, Lewis, Fernando, and Sebastian Vettel. I have Charles Leclerc, Esteban Ocon, Carlos Sainz, George Russell, and Lando Norris. Let's see. Any crazy predictions? That
0: is a good question. I think if my top 5 actually happens that would definitely have to be the most world championships in a top 5
1: finish in the oh, history of the sport oh you're right Look at that. <laughs> oh, i hadn't thought of that yes seb with 4 Alonzo 2 lewis 7 max 2 that would be something yeah i don't know if i have any uh
0: any real crazy predictions austin i think is always fun and only got four races until the end of the season and driver's championship is already decided, you know, maybe despite what my across the line prediction says, I will say no Mercedes
1: podiums for the rest of the season. Wow. Wow. That's a good one. A shocking one, but that's a good one. And mine, I'm now changing mine based on your across the line predictions. So I think the new regulations have been great. No, I should say, I think they've been good. I think races are more competitive. I think the cars are much more equal, unlike when Mercedes dominated in the turbo hybrid era. That said, I think Red Bull still is ahead on design. Adrian Newey has a large part to do with that. I think they've got great strategists. I think there is no better driver currently in F1 than Max Verstappen. And so... In your across the line picks, you have Max, Lewis, Alonzo, and Vettel. That is four, six, 13. Is that 15 championships? My counting is correct. That is amazing. We now have four drivers on the grid who are world champions. So my crazy prediction is Max will win in 23 and in 24. And by then, Seb, Alonso, and Lewis will all be out. And so by the start of 2025, there will only be one world champion F1 driver in F1.
0: Wow. That would be very interesting to see. It's been a long time since that sort of happened. But all these guys are aging and they've been so good for so long that, you know, they've just sort of accumulated all of the possible world championships in just those few guys. Yeah, I I think that is definitely very
1: possible. Yeah, we'll see. I think that's a good one. Inspired by your across the line picks. (laughs) All right. I want to remind our listeners, send your questions or comments to hardcompoundpod at gmail.com. We may read them on the show. We definitely will read them. And I also wish to thank all of you for listening to everybody's most beloved father and son F1 podcast. And we are lights out. See ya. Thanks for listening. Awesome. Good show, son. I think our show was better than that race. <laughs> yeah, might have been.